we have a little outline there for the this evening that's been printed up. We started, well, we finished last time we were in <coughs> our Wednesday night, which is a month, a month ago tonight, four weeks, and a lot of things we've had at the meetings, as as you know. <coughs> but we did conclude with the first point of this study from Second Timothy three sixteen. Remember, the only offensive weapon we have, according to Ephesians chapter 6, is the sword of the Spirit. And this is what we're looking at, the sword of the Spirit. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 2 <clears throat> Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, not 1st. 2 Timothy, all, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture. God has given the Bible for a purpose to build us up in our most holy faith. Um, <clears throat> little, little thought I had there of um, the church at Thessalonica. Who can remember how long Paul spent to establish the church in Thessalonica. How long was he in Thessalonica? It's in Acts chapter 17. That was the Ephesians, I think. I'm not sure on that one. But three's right. Three weeks. <laughs> three weeks. He said, I was three Sabbath days, and it might have included a bit of the other two weeks, and he, was, he, he, he had to get out. They persecuted him out of town. And then he wrote First Thessalonians. Then someone wrote a, wrote a letter, it seems, that um, got the wind up the Thessalonians and said, oh, we've been left behind. The day of the Lord is here. What happens to the Christians that have already died? Some had died in the meantime between his first visit and they believed and, and the, the letter. And so he wrote Second Thessalonians. And it's interesting to note that when he wrote Second Thessalonians in chapter 2 and about verse 4 or 5, he said, when I was with you, remember I told you these things? He didn't say remember, but I told you these things. He had, in three weeks, already established them in the prophetical truths. That they didn't have to change their mind later in their ministry. They didn't have to switch their, their allegiances to doctrines. And so... He's just assuring them, no, no, you get it right, don't worry. And then he, he said back in First Thessalonians that the, uh, with the coming of the Lord for the, for the people of the Lord, <laughs> that uh, in chapter 4, verse 18, comfort one another with these words. Those who have died are okay. They'll be taken up, well, they've been taken, but they'll come back and their body will join with their soul and spirit. And so <clears throat> it's interesting. D doctrine is important. Paul didn't mess around. I mean, these are, these are people fresh out of the unsaved world. Have you ever had that happen to you where somebody gets saved and immediately they just, you know, like drinking water on a, a hot day, they're just really thirsty for the word? And, and, and it's amazing how much they pick up with just talking to them. And uh, it's ha it happened quite a few times where in just individuals that seem to be that way they grow quick 
and the Thessalonians seem to be quick growers, but it's the truth of the word of God that they're thirsty for and hungry for. And <clears throat> it's important. So let's look at these four, thirsts, four thoughts here tonight. <clears throat> well, let's pray before we do. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that giveth us light upon our pathway, that shows the direction of life, that helps us to understand and believe the truth of the eternal God. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us this inspired revelation that we might be built up in our faith. Bless it to our hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> for doctrine. This is the first thing Paul said this, the scriptures have been given for. All scriptures have been given by inspiration of God. It's profitable. <clears throat> we can talk about the inspiration of God, but we're going straight to the benefits here tonight for doctrine. And last time we considered that. And if you didn't, maybe it's a good exercise to do. Go through First and Second Timothy and just underline or mark out or make it highlighted the word doctrine to this young man, Timothy. Paul was very keen to have this man established in the truth of the word of God so that he could confront those that opposed it. And in Psalm 119, and the verse that's, yes, it's written there, 130, the entrance of thy word gives light, gives light unto the simple. <clears throat> and as you look at life, you realize there's many paths to follow, but there's only one right path. Many lead, most lead to frustration, loneliness, death. But God's word leads to life. Then uh, <laughs> narrows the road, the celestial city is at the end of it. Remember that. So we've, we looked at that, and we looked at all those verses in, in First and Second Timothy concerning doctrine last time. The second thing Paul said that the Bible is good for, and it's been given by inspiration for, is for reproof. And this tells us what is not right. The first one, doctrine, tells us what is right. The next one tells us what is not right. This is reprimanding people who go off the straight and narrow. It, you know, <clears throat> who, who, <clears throat> oh, who hasn't gone off the straight and narrow at some time in their life? I think we'd all be lying if we said, no, I, I'm, I'm okay, I've been on the straight and narrow all the way. I think we've all been tricked, deceived, or, or we've gone off after the old nature, tempted us into, to, into sin. Pray that we don't. And that we do it less often as we grow in the Lord. And we need reprimanding. Who likes being reprimanded? None of us do. None of us like being reprimanded. No. <clears throat> but at times we need it. We need this in life sometimes in life as you're walking God's way down his path rebellion or sin comes into our life get off the path and that's God's leading you along he shows you you've gotten sidetracked it might be through a friend it might be through a sermon it might be through a devotion it might be through reading the word of God that he speaks to your heart strongly strongly then the Lord wants you to change tact let's go to Psalm 119, verse 176. I think it's the last verse. Psalm 119. And what is 
Psalm 119 all we're talking about, the Word of God. You know, it so happens that the, the sermon, the sermons in the near future in the morning service, maybe this week, will be on the Word of God. We're right there tonight in our study on Ephesians. But Psalm 119, 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. <laughs> That's appropriate, isn't it? <laughs> That's a Bible phrase, if ever there was one. <laughs> Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. When I've gone astray, what do we ought to wish? That God would seek us. How did the Lord expand that one in the New, in the New Testament, in the Gospels? He spoke in Luke chapter 15 about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son, didn't he? And he expanded on this one. <laughs> and, and, and the Lord said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to look and I'll go hunt and look and find the lost sheep that's gone astray, more than the 99 that are still in the pen. And God seeks those who have gone astray. And he gently puts us on his shoulder and takes us home. We might like to hop off and say, no, I want to stay here. Well, the Lord's got other means too, <laughs> that he more ungently can move us back to the fold. <laughs> um, that's in Hebrews chapter 12, where he talks about that. And if, if that doesn't work, sometimes he gets very stern. Sometimes he does what he did with Peter. And um, before them all, we are rebuked. Before the other believers, Paul rebuked, in Galatians, Paul rebuked Peter for doing what he shouldn't have done. He was going astray. He was a leader and he was going astray. He was siding with the everybody. Then when the Jews come, he, he didn't like to be seen to not to be keeping the law. And he reprimanded them before them all. And the Lord had to do that to Peter as well, didn't he? That's in the last chapter of the book of John. The Lord had to reprimand Peter because he was going astray and he was leading everyone else. He was a sort of leader that went astray and, and this guy is not going to go astray, said the Lord. So I'm going to keep him towed into line. <laughs> and uh, he learned from these things. And there, so, and there the Lord told him to feed the sheep. Remember, lovest thou me more than these? That's that in John, the last chapter there. And so <clears throat> we can and tend to go astray. If you go back... In Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have kept thy word. Praise the Lord. We can come back, can't we? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So what does affliction do or can help us do? It can bring us back into the pathway. And uh, it's the word of God that does this and helps us come back in. And how many of us have been convicted by the preaching of the word of God and we've been going astray and then have returned. And <clears throat> good old passage of Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. <clears throat> I remember when I was only about 12, might have been younger, we're up in the 
where it's all burning down there in, in East Victoria in the mountains, up in the, what do you call that, dividing range. And we're, Dad had a, he, Dad and Uncle and a few other, a lot of others were working up there, logging, virgin bush, original, original. And there, <coughs> we were, there was sort of, we had tin huts. That's basically, no inside, just tin on a bit of a frame, that's where we slept in these tin huts. And I remember one time I was there and yeah, along come the uh, mountain cattlemen in all their stuff. Just they, they weren't glorified at that time, they were just mountain cattlemen. <laughs> but now, you know, the man from Snowy River and all those things have been put together. And these fellas had come and seen the cows lately. <laughs> yeah, and you could say, well, a week ago we saw them at such and such a road, down that road, going this way. And, and another batch going this way. They just, you know, seeking. They, the cows hadn't gone astray. They just let loose on the mountains. A shame they've taken them off the mountains, isn't it? They might have eaten a lot of fuel <laughs> and grass in the meantime. Didn't they make a law not so many years ago? Took them all out of the high country. Anyway, um, <clears throat> they'd gone, they'd, they'd heard them. And, and if, you, if they come past when they gathered a few mobs together, they had quite a mob. And they'd take them, it was all the dirt road then, and take them down the road for miles and miles, down to the bottom, before the snow set in. But <clears throat> I wonder if the Lord has to herd us up at times, you know, <laughs> get, the, get the whip out, the horses onto us, and say, come on, back into lion, do what's right, you're being reprimanded, come back under my wing, and not say, you know, like Peter, I'm going, I'm going this way. Oh, well, all the disciples followed with him. But yeah, you've got all those examples in the scriptures. And <clears throat> James, I just jotted this one down before I comment. It came to mind, I was thinking, thinking through this in James, the last chapter, last two verses of James. <clears throat> we can use the word of God to help each other to bring us back from going astray, to reprove. Be willing to take reproof. <clears throat> what often is our reaction when we're reproved by another individual? Exactly. It seems to be always that way, doesn't it? Defensive. And I'm offended. Don't talk about that. We just need to back down humble ourselves, be submissive, and say, yep, I see it. That's what we need to do. And when the Lord points it out, hey, it's better when the Lord points it out in a quiet time. and well, <laughs> Get it right there, and, and then you go without someone being coming to you. But here, where was I going? James. <laughs> Brethren, if any of you do error from the truth, go astray, and one convert him, let him know that he who converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. You know that brother or sister that's doing that is only concerned about your well-being, your spiritual well-being and all those that you affect in your life and converted back to him, <clears throat> shown the error of your way, you save a soul from death. And there might be physical death, but it's certainly spiritual death. It's a spiritual deadness that comes to us when we walk astray and shall hide a multitude of sins. A multitude of sins that could have been committed by that brother who had gone astray. 
Okay, the next word we use, or is used in 2 Timothy 3.16, for reproof, tells us what is right. <clears throat> for, well, that's for doctrine, sorry. For reproof, tells us what is not right, reprimanding, and for correction, tells us how to get right. How to get right. And over in Psalm 119, verses 71 and 72. Psalm 119, 71 and 72. <clears throat> it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes, thy law, the law of thy mouth is better. Yeah, better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. It's good for me that I've been afflicted and corrected, if we could say, by the Lord as he does that, Hebrews 12, on us. <clears throat> that I might learn thy statutes. The law of the Lord is better than gold. Stephen tried to correct those that had gone astray. Stephen tried to talk to the Sanhedrin. And in Acts chapter 7, he laid it on the line. And he said, you have done the wrong thing. And he, and he went back in the Bible and talked about Israel's history. And when he got real heated and was making the application, did they like being corrected? No. They killed the corrector, didn't they? They killed the messenger. And so many times we take offence at being corrected and we want to kill the corrector. <laughs> the hand that the Lord is using in verse 51 and 54 of Acts chapter 7, that's what they did. It's better when we're corrected to do what First John 1 9 tells us, confess our sins and be forgiven of the Lord. And let's see... <laughs> Jeremiah doing the same thing to his generation in Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 3. Trying to correct them for their own good. If Israel had turned under the ministry of Isaiah or Jeremiah or even Ezekiel up in Babylon, if they just turned, it would save them a lot of heartache. Same with us. Saves us a lot of problems. And I know people right now that are really, really going through the mill. I'm not talking about anyone in here. If you are, that's, you know that. <laughs> but outside, and they're really suffering some, big time. They're not willing to listen. And as I said to someone the other day, how far does the Lord have to take them to make them to listen? It's for their own good and their own benefit. What, does that, what has God had to do to Israel? Well, look at he's had to do to Israel. And there's worse to come. But here in Isaiah chapter 3, Jeremiah, sorry, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 6, we read, The Lord said unto me in the days of Josiah, uh, the king, hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done, gone astray? She's gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And she's setting up idols under all these places. And I said, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me. Be, be corrected. And she returned not. 
and to her treacherous sister Judah saw it. So the northern tribes, the southern tribes. And I saw when for all these causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorcement. They saw the Assyrians coming and taking the ten tribes away. Judah had seen that. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not. You know, when you see something happen to someone else and you're doing the same thing and you're headed that direction, you say, oh, whoa, whoa, stop, turn. But they didn't. They should have, but they didn't turn. Um, <clears throat> came to pass, where were we up to? Came to pass through the lightness of her, verse 9, lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. Hmm. Worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. And yet for all these, her treacherous sister Judah didn't turn. Ah, with her whole heart, but faintly, sort of a little bit of a, sorry Lord. And the Lord said unto me, the backsliding, backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Judah had more evidence to go by. She had more light. She did have the truth for longer. She had some good kings. She had this example of the southern, I mean the northern ten tribes. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful. See, the Lord will. He, he, he will stop everything that he intended to do if we turn back to him. Only in verse 13, acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree and ye have not obeyed my voice, say the Lord. Turn, O backsliding children, turn. I am married to you, he said. And I'll <laughs> turn, turn, backslide. And it, over again, verse 20, what, verse 17, verse 20, verse 20 says, Surely as a wife treacherously departed from her husband, so have ye treacherously with me, dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. And then in verse 22, return. What, what's the Lord saying? Turn, return. <laughs> over and over again. You've got it in verse 1 of chapter 4, verse 14, verse 11, uh, 12, verse 1 of chapter 3, and verse 22 there, return ye backsliding children. Be corrected. Learn when the Lord disciplines to follow after him. Don't follow your own way. Turn, return and acknowledge, he says. And the last one is for instruction back in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 6. The word of God given by inspiration is for doctrine, tells us what is right. For reproof, tells us what is not right. Tell, <clears throat> for correction, tells us how to get right, put us back on the pathway. And for instruction, tells us how to stay right, how to stay right. The best way to get off track is stop reading your Bible. Stop having devotions. Stop going to church. Stop having fellowship. And you'll get off the track. But stay in the Word, stay in fellowship. First John chapter 1, that, that, that keeps you going right. You know, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so the countenance of a friend. We rub up against each other and we help us 
to get our perspective right and to keep on the straight and narrow. We're encouraged to do that. Now, who likes rebuking other Christians that are going astray? I don't. <laughs> it's, it's a hard thing to do. You don't want to be offensive. But sometimes it's necessary for their good and for the fellowship of the saints to be knit together and walking together and agreed together. How can two walk together except they be agreed anyway? The scriptures to say. Um, and Psalm 119, going back there to that, that book, that chapter, in verse 9 it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? But by taking heed thereto according to thy word. How can a young man stay straight? Be instructed from the word of God. Once we get back on the right path, <clears throat> God doesn't say, oh, well, good luck, on your way. <laughs> Leave you to wander aimlessly. He gives you and us practical lessons from his word. And as we go through life, he brings the lessons that are appropriate for us at that time, that stage where we're at, where we're at in life. And it is probably wise to listen to those who've been through it if you need encouragement. <laughs> Do you know they've been there before? We're not isolated in our, in our situations in life. We... We, we all are tempted um, and don't think that your problems are any greater or more severe or different to somebody else's. We're humans here um, <clears throat> for instruction. And we won't go there for sake of time, but in, the, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is another one chapter you can go to and see what the subject is. I know it's talking about the application of what, what, what all about tongues. And then Paul went in there and said why the Bible has been given and what you should use it for is for edification, edification, edify, edification. And over and over again he says in that chapter, be edified. How? Be instructed from the word of God. And he said if you're going off, you're going off at the same time in the church they think you're mad. If someone's speaking in tongues as they legitimately could in those days <coughs> and no one interprets then what's the use of it? It doesn't help anybody. I mean, very practical chapter when you start applying it to what we've seen, we see outside today. <clears throat> For instruction to be built up. In Psalm 119, verse 105, <clears throat> thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's use it. <laughs> I've written in, I think it was my first Bible, in the cover of it someone said this this book <clears throat> this book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book stay in the instruction of the word of God young people memorize it 